But first, internet access. It might be hard to believe, but in the year 2022, when so much of our lives is digital, there are folks in Chicago who still cannot get online. In fact, a new study exposes a pretty big gap in which Chicago neighborhoods can access the internet and which can't. The study is part of the University of Chicago's Internet Equity Initiative, an effort by the U of C to help guide some of the $65 billion in federal funding to expand broadband access in the U.S. Joining us now are the two principal investigators of that study. Nicole Marwell is an associate professor in the Crown Family School of Social Work, Policy and Practice. Welcome to Reset, Professor Marwell. Hi, Sasha. Great to be here with you. And Nick Feimster is a Neubauer professor in the Department of Computer Science and director of the Center for Data and Computing. Hi, Professor Feimster. Hi, Sasha. Good morning. Professor Marwell, I'll start with you. Talk to us about some of the bigger points in the study, like which neighborhoods had the highest number of uh, households that are connected and which had the least. Sure. So, um the data that we're drawing on is data that comes to us from uh, the U.S. Census, from the American Community Survey, and from some other existing data sources, and are really reporting on the levels of connectivity in Chicago households and households around the country uh, based on uh, pre-pandemic times. You know, census data tends to come to us a little slowly, so the data that we have is pre-pandemic. And what we're seeing is that certain neighborhoods, like the Loop or other neighborhoods, uh, on the north side have very high connectivity rates, some of them up to uh, 90% or even higher, whereas some of the neighborhoods on the south side, like uh, West Englewood or Burnside, are having showing much lower connectivity rates, uh, some even as low as 60%. Mm. What's going on here, Professor Feimster? Because it, that sounds like a pretty big gap in who has access and who doesn't. Yeah, that's a great question. I mean, I think when we look at uh, those those disparities, uh, a lot of that that does boil down to uh, both. Well, there's a number of facets. One is in, uh, disparities in infrastructure availability. What kind of infrastructure is available in that neighborhood or not? Uh, and then sort of working so-called up the stack. There's a whole bunch of other factors to consider, like what's the you know what internet service providers are offering service in that neighborhood, at what speed tiers, and at what prices. Uh, and then you can keep keep working your way up towards the user and like who's signing up for for various plans and when they sign up, what kind of service do those plans ultimately deliver uh, and and is that service good enough for the applications that people actually are using day to day and and I think you can see uh, disparities at all of those levels and that's what we're trying to get at is it's sort of uh, uncover the disparities at, at many different layers of the problem. Yeah, your analysis found uh, connectivity strongly correlates with income, right? Unemployment, economic hardship, et cetera. Yes, that, that's very, Correct. very much the case. And, um, you know, a, a lot of times we think about this problem um, at the national level and we talk about the lack of, of in, internet infrastructure that's even available to some people in the country, and that's particularly a rural problem. But in cities, we have a different version of the connectivity problem, which is that a lot of people, even if there is infrastructure available for them to connect to, the prices, as we all know, when we get our internet bills every month, the prices are quite high. In fact, the price for internet connectivity in the United States is among the highest in all of the developed nations 
populations in the world. And so you're seeing a real affordability problem uh, facing people in lower income neighborhoods, people with lower levels of income and lower levels of uh, uh, education and employment. And so that's a real barrier for people being able to access connectivity. And then in addition to that, as, as Nick was saying, you know, we have a, a real question, which is what our study is really focused on going forward. We have a real question about even for folks in Chicago that could potentially connect to the Internet if they could afford it, mm-hmm. how well is that infrastructure actually provisioned in different neighborhoods in Chicago? And what does that mean for how well their Internet performs and how well they're able to actually use the applications that we've all become so used to during the pandemic? How did you approach collecting the data, Professor Feimster? Or did the information come from a database that already existed? Yeah, that's that's a great question, Sasha. I mean, I think it's it's good to uh, maybe draw a distinction between uh, I think the report that 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 you're uh, referring to and that we published, and uh, where we're headed going forward. So, a lot of the data that that we relied on for that initial uh, study was uh, based on data from the from the census. Uh, and, and that data, of course, uh, will highlight certain kinds of disparities that, that exist, uh, you know, at the, at the, at the census tract level. Uh, and it allows us to sort of correlate those with other, uh, other variables that you, that you discuss. But I think one of the things that, uh, that study has taught us is that the granularity, uh, of this problem, the granularity that, uh, at which this problem exists is actually very, very hyperlocal. You know, the, the situation may differ not only from neighborhood, neighborhood to neighborhood, but from block to block. And I think that is, uh, as we go forward, one of the things that we have uh, started is to gather that data at a sub-neighborhood level. So right now uh, we have uh, about a, uh, approaching 100 households across the city of Chicago where we're continuously measuring the performance and reliability of uh, someone's Internet service provider mm-hmm. uh, because your neighbor might – be having a great experience. You might be having a terrible experience. And the, the, the quality of the data that exists right now doesn't show that. And we're trying to change that. And actually, I would invite your listeners, uh, you know, if, if this project sounds interesting to them, uh, to help us to sort of join. You can join the cause by, uh, by signing up to, to help, help us get better data on Internet connectivity and disparities uh, in this performance across the city of Chicago. Where do they go to sign up? Uh, we have uh, a sign-up that's available at the site internetequity.uchicago.edu. So you can go to that site, and there, there's a link that, that provides more information about how to participate and sign up. So, uh, Professor Marl, as, as we heard, there are some challenges trying to gather this data. What would you say could help you better understand the scope of this issue? Yeah, great and important question. Um You know, I think the real innovation of this study is that we're trying to direct people's attention to an aspect of the Internet that really hasn't been measured before. And that's, you know, looking, as Nick said, at this very hyperlocal level, at trying to understand not just, um, you know, is this block served by a, a single Internet service provider, which is one of the major data points that the Federal Communications Commission looks for? But for us to go deeper, to go beyond that and to say, yes, this block may be served by a provider, but what is happening at 
the in terms of someone's actual experience every day on the internet. So for example, if you've got a child who's doing remote schooling and their internet is performing badly, what that can look like is it looks like the the child is trying to listen to the teacher, but the teacher's Zoom call keeps cutting out, keeps rebuffering. We've all had that experience. Um, and what that means for a kid can easily be, you know what, this is not working for me. I can't hear what my teacher's saying. I'm going to pack it in for the day. That's it for me for school. So in order to be able to understand where that kind of experience might be happening more than in other parts of the city, we need to collect that data really at the household level. And when I say collect that data, what we're doing is we're imagining that the internet is like the ocean and we're using a measurement device that functions like a lighthouse. The same way a lighthouse looks out into the ocean to try and illuminate what's out there, mm -hmm. our measurement device is looking out at the internet and trying to understand how well it's performing, and in particular, how well it's bringing data back and forth to the household where we're actually measuring that performance. In 2021, President Biden set aside $65 billion of his Infrastructure Investment and Jobs Act uh, to expand broadband, broadband access and adoption. Professor Feimster, how much of that funding can Chicago or Illinois expect to get? Uh, Sasha, that is, uh, that is a great question. In fact, it's, I would say it's the million-dollar question, but it's the $65 <laughs> billion dollar question, right? right? And um, so I think, uh, you know, there are some things that, that we know about that uh, right now, which is that um, the way that that money is going gonna, is gonna to flow from the federal government is, is through the states. And, uh, and, and I think we have some, some – uh, we have a great uh, state broadband office uh, in particular that's, that's working on uh, getting our state some of those funds. Uh, and I'll say the, the, our ability to tap into those resources are going to depend a lot on our ability to demonstrate that we have a problem, right, that the, that the gaps exist and also – where they exist, right? Where in our state, where in our city of Chicago, and, uh, you know, where they exist as far as neighborhood to neighborhood. Uh, and so that's where we come in, right, is, is that you may, you may note <laughs> that census data doesn't tell you about what's going on neighborhood to neighborhood or block to block yeah. as far as Internet performance and, and access is concerned. And so that's where, that's where we hope to be able to come in to help make that case for our city, right, and for our state to uh, help to make the case to the federal government that, yes, yeah, some of those dollars should be helping our, the city of Chicago uh, fill these the gaps that exist all across our city. Professor Marwell, how, how close do you think UChicago's Internet Equity Initiative is to um, creating solutions for these inequalities that you've discovered? Well, Sasha, this is a difficult problem, and I, I want to make sure I say that, you know, the pandemic is what really helped to shine a light on this problem for many of us, myself included. But there have been activists in the digital equity space who've been working on this problem for two decades and have been making noise about this issue, but have not really been heard. And so if there's a silver lining in the pandemic, it's that 
the spotlight has really now been shined on this issue. And we are seeing not only local efforts, like, for example, Chicago Connected, which uh, the city of Chicago and Chicago Public Schools, Kids First Chicago worked together to make sure that every kid in Chicago Public Schools had the opportunity to be connected to broadband internet. Mm-hmm. Um, we're also seeing um, a number of efforts at the, at the state level and at the federal level to address this problem. So, you know, our study is uh, sort of blazing a new trail in the kind of data that we're looking for. Um, solutions, you know, we're, we're talking about them, but uh, as in any scientific project, you know, sometimes the solutions are a little ways down the road. But we're working hard to try and, and turn this into something that's actionable, working together with our partners at the city and the state and in the nonprofit sector. Professor Nicole Marwell is an associate professor at UChicago's Crown Family School of Social Work, Policy and Practice. And Professor Nick Feimster is a Neubauer professor in the Department of Computer Science and director of the Center for Data and Computing at UChicago. Thank you both. Thanks, Sasha. We'll turn now to another voice on this issue to talk through some possible solutions to closing this Internet access gap. Claiborne Wade is a parent liaison for Family Focus at Oscar DePriest Elementary School in the Austin community. Welcome back to Reset, Claiborne. Hey, Sasha. Thanks for having me again. So you've been listening along, Claiborne. What do you think about that analysis we just heard about? Um, I, I think that, uh, you know, there's, there's always um, you know, room for improvement. And I think that when we have um, you know, boots on the ground and folks who actually are listening um, to us and, and, and paying attention and, and figuring out a solution. I think that's, that's always good. And I think we, um, as you know, the previous uh, panel said that, um, you know, folks have been working on this for years. And um, it, it appears that the pandemic has um, shined the light on, on this very, very important issue. So, you know, let's, let's just keep up the good work and continue moving forward. Remind us what it is that you do. As I mentioned, you're the parent liaison for Family Focus at an elementary school in Austin. Yes. So it is my job to um, get parents actively involved here at DePriest. Um, and one of the biggest programs that we um, have with making sure that, you know, our parents are, are entering the building and, and uh, being actively involved here is the parent mentor program. And, um, you know, not only that program, we have the, um, the priest pack and the, um, you know, we bring in yoga classes for the parents and um, all kinds of, of good stuff um, here at the priest. So. Yeah. And, you know, Claiborne, we know that this Internet divide issue has been one for a long time, right, for students, even yeah. before the pandemic. So how much more pronounced would you say that it's become in the past few years? Well, you know, I, I, as, as I mentioned, the, um, the pandemic has shed the light on this. And, you know, this, been, this issue has been going on for years. Um, and don't get me wrong, I believe it's been, um, it's been on the agenda to work out. Uh, but the pandemic has shed the light, shined the light on it and, you know, making some noise so to the point to where, you know, it's essential. So we all went from... Uh, you know, sending our kids to school, learning inside the classroom, to going to work and uh, going to the office, to schooling from home and uh, working from home. So, you know, that's what makes it, you know, much more important um, to have Internet at home, Internet access, and, um, 
you know, then that's what we're, you know, mm. I'm hoping that we're doing. Help us understand. Maybe you could paint a picture for us, Claiborne, mm-hmm. of, of what families with little or no broadband access are struggling with. Oh, struggling with access. Um, you know, having the access to, you know, education. Um, you know, our seniors are, you know, using, you know, the Internet to, uh, you know, order prescription drugs or, you know, the thing about even kids trying to do much, homework, um, yeah, even homework, absolutely. Or even on a, um, um, a lighter note, you know, we use it for, uh, you know, social media and, um, you know, just you know, taking our taking it easy on, um, you know, any particular day. Uh, but, you know, as I mentioned, education is the key. And uh, without the access to the Internet, you know, we, we are pretty much failing our, our young people, failing our kids. And you know, that's why we have to step up as, a, you know, a, as community leaders, as parents, as city, as state, to make sure that we don't fail our kids and making sure that we are giving them the access that they need. You've also worked with Kids First Chicago to yes. help kids, specifically in CPS. How have you seen that partnership help students? And can you let us know if there are plans maybe to to grow this program outside of Chicago public schools? Well, you know, I I, I really um, appreciate Kids First Chicago. Definitely appreciate them for their leadership and um, thanking them um, for giving parents uh, the courage to um, pull up a seat at the decision-making table um, because that's, you know, often been um, taken advantage of to where, you know, these are our kids in the schools and, you know, as parents, we need to be at those tables to making sure that, you know, we have a say-so for our kids. Um, But we are working with um, Chicago Connected um, Digital Learning Group, which is a uh, group of parents and um, community-based organizations uh, from all walks of life um, trying to figure out how can we um, uh, take it up a notch. You know, not only it, it's helping our kids at school, uh, but how can we help our, our families out as well um, to whether or not that's, um, you know, helping with, you know, basic needs, um, helping with, you know, resume building, um, job training, yeah. um, how to navigate Google, um, you know, the overall um, overall making sure that our, our families have access. Before I let you go, Claiborne, tell us what more you want to see the city do here to, to help give more Chicago students broadband access. Well, I, I, you know, I, I, I thank the mayor, I thank the city for, you know, shedding a light on this because, you know, normally when we do, uh, when we have projects in the communities and especially in areas that aren't um, on top of the, the list of priorities, um, it tends to take a little bit longer. But when we you know, discovered that, you know, we, our, our communities need connection, need access. Um, you know, the city really stepped up and made sure that, you know, this was front of the line, top of the agenda, and we got, you know, Internet access to our, our kids and to our families. So if we can just, you know, keep up the good work and continue listening to our parents um, to help expand this, I, I think that, you know, what more could we ask for? But there's always, you know, room for improvement. So let's just keep up the, the good uh, working relationship and yeah. continue moving forward. Claiborne Wade is a parent liaison for Family Focus at Oscar DePriest Elementary School in the Austin community. Thank you so much. 
Thanks for listening. I'm Sasha Ann Simons. We've got more for you on the podcast, WBEZ's Reset, wherever you listen.